Welcome to Inside the Firm. I'm uh, one of your hosts, Alex Gora. I'm here with... Lance Psycho. Uh, this is an inside look into business. It's two principals talking about what's happening in the world today, um, especially as it relates to business. So uh, architecture is our main focus, but we also are in development um, and then just general improving and taking off. So uh, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, what do you want to talk about today, Lance? A couple things. Uh, we had kind of a follow-up. So last episode, we talked about networking glad handing at this event we were we got the we got an award for and then we we one of the one of the follow-up meetings we were going to do was a follow-up with a uh the co he's not the co-owner he's the ceo of the largest company in longmont yep um so what was interesting about that i thought is we had a meeting we've just been on a meeting streak yep so the day before we had drinks with some interior designers and they were just kind of picking our brain about how to grow, how to partner, how to do everything. And and I couldn't say in the meeting because I didn't have a grasp on it until our next meeting the next day with that rich CEO. Because they kept wanting to get, uh, I don't know, regular people, rich people to d- design their interiors, right? That was their focus. We kind of asked them, hey, what's your, what, what is you your want? ideal? What do, you, what do you guys want to do? And they said, well, we want the people that... We want the people that want to actually spend money. So for us, that's very a very niche market. I yeah. don't think there are a lot of those clients out there. I think there's a lot more people that are just maybe middle to upper middle class that we do work for. Well, honestly, I would say because um, if you think about it, if you're in the top 10%, I wish we had the numbers, but it's actually not that much money. Maybe you're making 150, right? Yeah. And if you're making 150 and if your wife said stay at home, that's as much as two people making 75 and if you if your kids go to a private school you're honestly you're not you're just con- you're just making it comfortably yep so i think they're looking at the 1% and yes. we haven't got those clients there's multiple firms that just survive off of the 1% um i don't know how to get there so it, when she was talking i just thought man everyone we deal with i don't think is going to see too much value in what they bring but um, but I think we did leave them down a good direction, and they just sent over. Basically, there's two ways to pay them. One, you can pay them uh, a fee, and then they reduce your furniture price because they have deals with all these people. So if you would normally spend ten thousand on furniture in a living room, now you're only going to spend seven thousand, right? But you're going to pay them an upfront yep. free fee. The second way is to essentially uh, pay no fee. And then they're going to take more of that cut. So they're not going to give you the full discount. They'll give you like 25% or 50%. And then they'll take some of that and they'll still reduce out of, it. Out of the furniture package. Yep. Yes. And when I think about it, you know, a sofa, a sofa in my head is 1200 bucks. Mm-hmm. But that's... You're cheap. To, what? <laughs> <laughs> How no. much is a sofa in your book? Same. I'm just being, I'm being, I'm joking. Yeah. Honestly, the, in my house, we bought our sofa. It's a giant U couch. It's huge. It's a huge U couch. Yep. And it, it's, it looks like it's custom made because it fits perfectly in our space, but we actually designed the space to fit the sofa. Honestly. Yep. It was a thousand dollars. Well, exactly. So I could see, I like your sofa. Your sofa is just fine. And you know what? It already has a hole in it. My wife had to patch it because I knew the kid, like the kids are going to break it. Like, when the kids have sleepovers, and I have three boys, and the girl is my, and then I have a girl. And she's, she's rowdy. She's rowdy because she's like a little farm girl, really. Yeah, yeah. And she's got to keep up with all of them. Like so, when the, there's sometimes there's like six to eight kids, literally fighting on the couch and jumping around, and I don't care because yeah. it was a thousand dollars. So so my head just wasn't in ten thousand dollars on one room. 
Yeah. I know. It's, it, is, it is literally a mental leap for us to think of people that want to spend this kind of money. Now, we do have some clients that are in that 1%, and it's, it's through, shout out, Missy Brown Design, who we partner with. Yep. She's an unlicensed architect. She's, she's a, just a designer, and we sort of provide oversight for her. So we do get clients from Cherry Hills and Cherry Village, and I've been to those houses where I'm like, why are we doing the remodel? This house looks immaculate. Some people just got to spend money. They got to spend. They got to. They got to spend money. God bless them. <laughs> so in that one percent, I totally understand because that one percent is busy and they want the finest. So you're getting a professional. You're getting those interior designers because you're kind of making a brand for yourself, or the wife is making a brand for the whole family. Yeah. Right. But we don't deal with those people, so the the value isn't there. And and then when we went to the second meeting where you kicked it off. Yeah. He started talking about repeat clients and how it's looked at, and then it related to me as an asset. What is an asset? So a lot of people, even a million-dollar home or even a $500,000 home, they're not spending ten grand on the interior on, on one room. And if they are, your furniture isn't an asset. So it's hard for them to spend money on that. And I know now they're coming at a, at a better angle. They're saving you money, but they're saving you money only if you spend in a higher tier. Right. If you spend in a lower tier, then you're not saving money whatsoever. So we were talking with uh, the CEO. They they grew from you know ten million to twenty million. To just- it, it was actually fifty to hundred million, but it was oh. an, it was an, it was an insane amount. They own this company. Own they are the they have the they have actually nothing to do with architecture. <laughs> they're never they're never going to hire us. But we yeah. wanted to. They at least said have- that. Literally, it was hard to get. The, yeah, we mentioned this in the last podcast. It was hard to get the meeting. We had to kind of, uh, we had to do this give and take sort of thing. Um, they have, they own sixty percent of the market share for all billboards Ever. in America. Yep. Yeah, huge, and maybe the world. Yep. In the future, but I, I thought it was still useful um, because of he, he even switched his brain and he started. He was talking about okay, you guys are a service based business, so. He did try to try to give, and he did try to give. And one thing we asked him was, so the the, the way they got to a sixty percent market share, and why the meeting was valuable for me is because I I Alex and I were sort of brainstorming before the meeting. We said, what are we going to ask him? And we and I said, well, let's ask him about acquiring these businesses that he's. So what what they did is they strategically acquired other printers who print the print out these large scale graphics, um, and now they have five locations because of that all spread out through the United States and the West Coast, down South, East, and then the middle is, is Longmont. So we asked, what do you look at when you're acquiring other companies? Because if what if F9 ever wanted to be acquired by somebody? How would how would we be looked at to be somebody acquires us? Alex and I cash out. We're millionaires. We walk away. We start Goran Psycho at Eurotex because that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then what would we, what would, should we be looking at? Goran Psycho Productions. Because who knows if we're going to do architecture or not? There you go. We'll just make up stuff like usual. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what would we, what would we look at? And then we said, then we flipped the question and said, and, and vice versa, what should we look at if we were to acquire somebody, yeah. another firm in town? And and what he said is, um, basically, is is the relationship in the, in is the value in the owner. 
Meaning if he leaves, do mm-hmm. all the relationship dies because basically your talent walks out the door every day where him, he has printers, he has this whole system. And we'll talk about that other aspect later. Um, it's different in the service-based business. So what you're really looking at when you're looking to be acquired or going to acquire and what banks are looking at for lending too, is that do you have repeat clients? Yes. And I think it just solidified in our head who to go after. And it wasn't what the meeting was before, even though any million dollar plus homeowner that comes in, welcome to F9 Productions. We'll take it. Happy to meet you. And uh, honestly, enthusiastically, it would be a great project. We do. Um, and you know what? We are going. We are actively soliciting those people. I've revamped the website this last week. I'm on a huge marketing push um, in Boulder. We're targeting that area, so we want. You know, we're trying to get that kind of a clientele. But yep. But but even since we're moving into the developer world, and they're probably going to look at our finances, and a lot of times, excuse me, they they look at our tax returns. But I think people are going to start diving deeper. Mm-hmm. And what is going to look like an asset is repeat clients over years. So like, oh, uh, this company ABC spends uh, eighty thousand with you every year. Oh, that's great. They've been with you for four years. CDS spends 120 with you every year. That's great. It's just building up that asset. And one, I mean, once you establish those relationships, it's easier to get. And a lot of mine are uh, long time. If you think about it, a lot of my work is just those old guys. Absolutely. Uh, they're, and they're not even old. It's just people. Al's the keeper. Al's the keeper of the repeats. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Lance catches the fish, throws them in the boat. And then I I'm just. I'm like, oh, they're oh, flopping around. Oh, grab them. Grab them. <laughs> <Put it out. laughs> um. But I think it's given us a different perspective of when we go after them yes. and what they're worth. Yes. Um, so I, I thought it that was, was for me, that meeting was like a recentering of that idea. And we've always had that. We've always we uh, sometimes I think you just have to be reminded of that stuff. It's kind of like the yep. fundamentals. Remember, like when we've talked about it before, we go to a meeting, we don't bring all the firepower. Oh, my God. Bring all the firepower every time. Yep. You know, be on your A game all the time. And, and I think you, you always want to do your best and put everything, you know, put all you got forward, but this applies to other businesses too. And you know, real estate is hard real estate people because it's always a new person. But if you're going after a developer, who's going to be a repeat client, then I, I don't know. You got to even pull out more stops, um, or any, any business that you're going after. If you're getting the, the big corporations, it almost makes sense. I mean, you got to put on a show and, and really razzle dazzle. Yeah. So did you have any follow-up thought or advice that you would give the interior designers that we met with then considering that meeting, you know, if, Hey, what's really, what, what you really should be focusing on is, is repeat clients. That sort of thing. That so I really like what they came up with uh, selling themselves, but I think that's again is only for that higher tier. And yes, and I, what I wanted to say in the meeting because one of them does lobbies for. Oh yeah, in that's, Chicago. that's what it was. Yeah, you should be going after condo A, condo or like a, you uh, should be condo doing, building, condo building, apartment yep. apartment building. Um, all of these, especially all of these new apartment buildings. Well, they're actually. I mean, even, there's some around in town that were built in the 90s around here where they have like their central uh, common building where you go in and do the leasing and stuff. Yeah. Those things are going to be you know, repeat clients. They need to be updated every, every 10 years. Every ten, to, what did to, she say? Uh, no, I've noticed every about three or four years. And one doing. of the reasons why it's every three or four years is because I think is because new management companies buy these things. Like one of the things you that what? it probably relates to the seven every seven. Exactly. Years. That every seven years. And I can't remember what tax code that is. So, <clears throat> 
tangent story here. My uh, fiance slash soon to be wife, 30 days. Here we go. She, um, her mother is a real estate mogul, was a real estate, still kind of is. At one point she had, I think, uh, I think she had 60 rentals in Detroit. And this is when Detroit was starting to decline, but they, but they, but they weren't, or but they weren't completely dead yet. And she said, it's some kind of like 1083 exchange or something. So if I'm, if I'm not getting it here and somebody, someone on the listeners knows what the heck I'm talking about, what happens is, is after a certain number of years when you, if you're a property holder, is to to kind of like avoid taxes having to pay is it depreciation over seven years something like that where you're trying to uh, you're trying to offset depreciation or something but th- what they do is all these developers or these real estate owners will get together and they will literally exchange properties yeah just kind of they kind of just exchange deeds yep so let's say lance you own seven units and let's say i own eight yeah like i'll give you eight for seven and you give me fifty thousand bucks because i have more units than you but like it's basically a wash and a swap and then we restart the depreciation and then you yeah exactly and then you that that's what it is you get to restart the depreciation so whatever the heck it's it's some kind of exchange is what it's called some kind of fancy little exchange word that they so but to bring it all back that's why that's why i think these apartment buildings one of the reasons is they turn over yeah like that and these condo developments I don't know if those girls are listening, but <laughs> shout out you should. <laughs> <laughs> you should. What what I would say to them just to add on is then sell yourself is I'm deep in Chicago and Chicago is closer to the culture than than Denver's actually pretty close too, but New York is is it and LA is it. And then I would say the next is probably Chicago mm-hmm. and maybe Denver, but I would market it as Chicago I know what's coming. I know what they're doing, and I'm gonna take that and apply. And I would just march to all these offices that redo everything every seven years and try to try to hook them all up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And offer, offer your discount or however yep. you're doing it that way. So, so going back to uh, the billboard company, what I thought because we we're like, okay, what what are we gonna talk about? Uh, what are we gonna glean from this guy? And there was two things. We started doing some research. You found some articles, forwarded them to me, and the two things that were key to their growth. And I was like, how does that apply to us? And I still don't have an answer. And maybe this will... Oh, yeah. This was in, this is super interesting about the company. I yeah. Thought. Maybe this will apply to you guys. If, if if someone sees a sharp insight into architecture, please email, call us, akg at f9productions.com. <laughs> let us know. Um, and they did two things. So they print, what, a million square feet that, like every couple days. It's just insane how much... They, <laughs> honestly... It, 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 they process uh, twenty. I don't even know the numbers. The numbers are insane. Yeah. So something big. Uh, we talked about this last time. Even stupid printer costs for our stupid little tiny company. Ink. You know, get a little tiny thing. It's forty bucks. Like mm-hmm. what? What is going on here? Mm-hmm. They brought in a PhD chemist. Chemist. Or, no, it was yep. chemist. And he formulates it for them. So all of a sudden, you don't have to buy from these ripoff artists. They did two things with the formulation. Number one, it's eco-friendly. So they can recycle now. They can recycle their the billboard materials and all their printing materials. And then number two, the bigger the bigger point is it's it's a proprietary blend that saved them. It cut costs by ten percent, and then they were able to undercut everybody. Yep. And uh, I think everyone is becoming more eco friendly, not just because uh, they have like the, this green w- wish, but it's just making more and more sense. Money. Well, m- when the when the money factor comes in, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and then two, you don't want to get caught like Johnson and Johnson. Uh, oh, we part carcinogens in, man. <laughs> I, if, if we're running low, I got a side tangent on that. I'm just going to go off. Okay. Don't <laughs> go for it. 
<laughs> so Co- John- coffee's good today. Uh, yeah. Uh, Johnson Johnson is coming down to Denver and they, uh, on Facebook, hey, come learn about uh, how baby skin, you know, just something like they're putting on a free clinic, right? And Annie's watching this, and all the moms just go off on them. Just on, the, on the Facebook? Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, oh. Just ripping into them. Wow. Because they put a carcinogen in their baby powder, and they knew about it. Their scientists knew about it. Um, but it wasn't illegal, so they let it run for like 20 years, and then they found out. And who knows? I think, they're, I think they either settled the lawsuit for billions or are getting sued for billions. Don't know. Yeah. Um, and one of the replies was, Johnson and Johnson always complies with with government regulations and do our best to up at stand. And it just, it made me cringe because it's just a cop out, a cop out. Whenever you say we comply to government regulations and I'm glad one of the ladies, I'm assuming a mom, maybe not said, so what you're saying is that you put in cancer causing carcinogens, but the government let you, so you're okay. <laughs> oh, I see what they did. There. You know what Got I mean? It. They're just, it's like saying, oh, the government said we're okay. Yeah, but you knew it caused cancer. <laughs> you knew it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. <laughs> Voluntarism always wins out, and that's proof is in the pudding by that. By, by again, this company we met with, the CEO, right? So they did. They knocked out two birds, one stone. Eco-friendly plus undercut the competition, and now they're crushing it. Yeah, plus. 100%. With eco-friendly, you're more guaranteed not to poison people to death. Um then the second thing they did is they developed their own software. Oh because, yeah, because they have these flux, you know, around Christmas time. Everyone wants to print canvas things and print pictures of your children's faces and put it on the wall. Um, and they said they grow what three hundred people during that time, yep. something like that. Yep, yep, and yeah, exactly. They had to staff. They have to staff up. I think 250, 300 people. Yep, and they the have to manage that. So like that was a key to their success, also. So. The software, I think we apply by really honing a system and really getting a template down. And then uh, our sponsor is Revit Furniture, which we run, and we sell that to other people too. Um, so I think I think that's really key with us. And training, and training all of our guys from the get-go, which mm-hmm. also comes in the package for Revit Furniture. Yeah. So, so I think the lesson learned or like the epiphany here is like, the successful companies in the world, they create their own ecosystems. They create their own ecosystems with their own organisms, their own intelligent organisms that work for them. And then, then everything grows from there, right? Yep. So if we think about our development, I'm hoping that we can, <clears throat> I'm hoping that somehow, somehow we have like, we, 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 we recognize like the building systems for these units that we're putting up. And that sort of is its own little ecosystem in itself. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, we've already flushed through. We said like, okay, we're not going to do TJs. We're just going to do we're just going to do web. open web trusses. Then we can run all the ductwork and stuff like that. Yeah. We've already got like you you've called it Mark One. You know, Mark One is all the, all the lessons learned, right? Yeah. So now we're applying all of those lessons learned. That's like its own e- organism in itself. Now that's why this project is called Mark Two. Yeah. Right? Yep. If we can, we we'll use Zip system on the outside. Just so so easy. Yeah. Um. So. I guess, and the, the only thing hanging in my head well, from it, that meeting from that meeting was, is there a huge cost like ink that we can bring in house and just reduce? Yes, it? I'm still with you there. I'm still with you there. What is the other? How do we make the ink? Like, what is the what is the ink part of it for us? And you know what? Maybe it's as simple. I, I want to do it. I'm thinking just about architecture, so I still have that question. But how developers are doing? I just met with another developer, and they just reiterated what you just said. So even cutting two, three percent 
10% every time. So the developers that are really making money and really like up and coming, they're their own contractor. There's 10%. Yes. They're their own real estate agent. That's 3%. Three to six. Three to, I, yeah. And because they could bring the buyers in themselves. And what's working that is when they sell 100 units and 3% on 300,000. You multiply it. You, you, you can just, and what they're doing then, so uh, the, the, one of our employees knew one of their employees. He's just doing all these renderings in 3D virtual um, with the Oculus Rift, and it was amazing. And it's probably because he has that margin. Like right now, I'm like, man, we can't just have one guy a month making a model on Oculus no, Rift. No, but when we do the virtual tour, I think we need to include that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was so cool. It was because first Mark, our employee, put on the head thing, and I could see on the screen. I was like, ah, that looks, whatever. It's not, it, it's okay. It's like a really good SketchUp model okay. that you can go around. You put that on your head. World, world of difference, Lance. I'm telling you, it's insane. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were one of the first case studies where we just proved that you convert, you can sell real estate with the Oculus Rift and virtual reality, like we're doing a walkthrough before it's built and we have everything pre-sold. That'd be yeah. sick. That would be sick. Yeah. There you go. Maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the ink. Maybe we set up a system like that and we prove it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe what if what if we could bring structural and civil in house? But I don't think we could. Oh, that's what you want. Everything, yeah, I know. I, know. I don't know about that, but just that ink hit me. <laughs> and but but it was so obvious it did. It because did. what uh, we asked him, did anyone else think can do this? And he's like, no, no one else did it. And, and it's so obvious because ink is so. It huge. is so obvious. That's what's weird about it. That's what's weird about it. Yeah, the I feel like all that stuff is always so obvious. Like growing up, I always said. Why, why isn't anybody making a cell phone where we can we can like literally FaceTime and then uh, here we go here you know iPhone like it was just obvious to me. Yeah, and I don't have an obvious one for pure architecture. Yeah, somebody, somebody, come on, come on, give us the obvious here. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> All right, <laughs> uh, let, let's let's uh, hit up some advice. Okay, so today we're gonna hear from our uh, good buddy Nicholas Renard of Dig Architecture and. Uh, they're out of Jacksonville, Florida. He does phenomenal work. He's won. He's recently won some uh, some awards. I think just for AIA Florida. So he'll have to he'll have to correct me. I'm not sure it was a national award, but phenomenal phenomenal work. Um, beautiful beautiful stuff. Check him out. He's actually hiring. So if anybody if anybody listening is looking for an entry level position, um, I put it out to all our social media. Uh, he's hiring in Jacksonville, Florida. So so check him out. So and you can also just sub out all your extra work to us. F9Productions.com. <laughs> we're fast. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to listen to his final underscore final dash recording. Yeah. Hello, best friends. This is Nicholas Renard of Dig Architecture in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. I'd like to send a special shout out to Lance for inviting me here today. Shout out, Lance. So my best. I've received a lot of good advice over the years, but there's always one that stayed on point for what I do every day. For that, let's travel back to my second co-op in college. It's working on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina. Joe Hall of Hall and Hull was my boss. Joe had a very strong and proper southern draw, and you could tell he was from Savannah. I'm not going to try to replicate his accent for this. Just thought you should know. He told me that you could design your best building, your very best building. But if you don't take the time to design and craft the sheets you put it on, how can you expect that design to be realized to its full potential? That summer, he reinforced those words over and over and over again. I guess it stuck. 
Almost 20 years later, I spend time every day making sure everything I send out, from presentation to review to permit to construction, is on a well-crafted sheet. Probably too much time, but we're designers, right? We need to remember all the lines, words, leaders, dimensions, and so on are part of what we design. How can we expect more from others than we do ourselves? Too often do I see drawing sets by architects that just make no sense and are thrown together. Seems even worse with residential drafters. So spend some time every day. Make your sheets live up to the design they are illustrating. My worst. Dude, you should check out this show Lost. Boom! Wasted hours and hours of my life. And for what in the end? Really though, I thought long and hard on this. Couldn't come up with bad advice. There's been plenty along the way and I've made my share of dumb decisions. But as I reflect, I'm very happy with where I am in life. And all the advice I've taken, the good and the bad, has gotten me here. So if bad advice makes you happy in the end, is it all that bad? I guess that's why I like to consider my firm practice. We don't always have the answers. We learn something new almost every day. As long as we come out better than when we went in, in some way, I guess that's a win. Ah, poetry. Side note. The bad advice I don't take quickly gets forgotten. So we can't consider what I can't remember. So how about a piece of advice to all the architects in the audience? Build something you've designed using someone else's money. The amount you will learn about design and construction with this move cannot be replicated and is definitely not as scary as it sounds. You may only do it once, but maybe you'll love it and do it over and over again. Who knows? One thing is almost certain. You'll be a better architect when it's all done. Someday, someone's going to come on this podcast and use my advice here as bad advice. That's all I know for this moment. Thanks again, Al, for having me on. It's been a blast. Toodles! All right, Nicholas, that was hilarious. That was the best. Uh, this, is, this is Al. Just so, you know, just so you know, Al, he sent in an uncentered version with a lot more swearing. Oh, why didn't we play that? No, 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 no. Because here's what I told him. For episode 69, we're going to do an After Hours Uncensored podcast. Oh. <laughs> wait, I feel like we have to have some drinks to really get exactly, uncensored. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then we can't listen to it. We just got to put it on. We just got to put it on. <laughs> just yep. Immediately upload. Um, my reaction to the best advice, basically craft your sheets. I get what he's saying. There, There's always a double-edged sword to every advice. So if you get too into it, I, I think you can waste time and become that pretentious architect that's worried more about how the, how that looks and wasting people's time and money. Uh, but then one of our professors, Ron Ramsey, shout out Ron, always on Facebook shows like great drawings of buildings from like the 18th century. And they're just, they're just perfect. They're beautiful. They're immaculate. We actually, one of our employees, Josh, uh, brought in a set of drawings that I think his wife's uncle or something. Do you remember that? And it was for a uh, a building in Colorado, but it was like a forestry building, like a ranger's yep. outpost or something. It was a plan. It was a, a, a floor plan, a roof plan, and I think a section of four elevations. But they were so well crafted with all the information was just packed on there. Yep. That you could build off of it. Like you didn't need anything else. Yep. So this leads me into a, a, a bad example. So with Revit, 
you can cut as many sections as you want and it's actually pretty easy. And that leads some people to cut a lot of sections, which is totally fine. Because, um, but I think then if you're not careful or diligent, you can run amok in the, into this craziness. So we often draft and help a, a lot of other people, a lot of other firms all over the United States with their Revit. And I remember one set. It was a very high-end architecture firm doing a high-end building. Um, it, it was just a, a house. The house was probably going to be three, four million bucks, something like that. They had 58 sheets or something like that. And on some sheets, they just have a really crappy section with no information. Crappy eleva- interior elevation is what it was. Uh, there was crappy sections too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you remember which one I'm talking yes, about? Yes, I do. That's why I'm, yeah. Yep. And, and I just couldn't believe that. Did you, did you guys just pull this and, and didn't even think? Like, should it be on or should it not Do be I on? even need to display this amount of information? And I think this is where the double-edged sort of rabbit comes into play yep. or any of these BIM softwares is you can, you can, the, once you have the model set up, if you're, if you're pretty good at the software, yep. the amount of drawings you can instantly put on sheets and duplicate is astounding, yep. right? So there's got to be this balance sort of between the, what, what I described earlier with that old world set of drawings where, dude, they needed three sheets. It got built. It is just not a problem to now where the technology can allow you to do 58 sheets. But like, really, there's a balance in between. I think we have to get to. Yeah. And then it reminds me of another client that we're working with. Um, again, uh, immaculate architecture and their sheets aren't that crazy. Everything's looking good. But in there's three different wings and in one wing, they're splitting the, the floor to be from one system um, to another system. And they're just doing it basically in one room. And what my brain is going to is like, yeah, that system might be a little bit better for that room. But one, all the drawing time and then getting in a different uh, contractor. I mean, this house is going to be $500 a square foot easily just because of these changes. And, and I think they can probably sell like, oh, we make the perfect fit for every single room. Every room. Yep. And, uh, but it almost makes that architecture then out of reach. There you go. And they're successful, so I have no knock on them. I actually think that they're, they're great. But if we could get back, what if they had to? I think they could make the same building and say, you only have five sheets. And I'm not saying that we do this or anything, but a, a lot of our drawings and other people's could be reduced to five sheets. And now you need to simplify systems. You need to unify systems. You need to show the right material. You need to, you know, uh, you can't have all these crazy conditions. And I don't know, is that leading to, to more expenses and crazy architecture? Because we have this ability to um, where back in the day it was uniform. Like all the buildings were rectangular, <laughs> you know, the, you put money in the facade and then because everything was a system and then is out and they could put money in the facade and the stonework because they had cheap labor where now we don't have cheap labor. And that was like, you could actually pay a stonemason to carve stuff out because mm-hmm. that's all they did. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an interesting subject and dichotomy. 100% know? because and what I would, what I would add to that is that sort of thought process you're going down of like, is this, is this causing more expense in the field? Is it not? We've, we've had compliments recently on our custom houses and the, on the, on the drawings that we've done. 
and f- from well-seasoned contractors and saying like these are at a commercial level in terms of detail i, I know I, there's just these are some of the best drawings i've ever seen then we've heard that we've heard from developers and superintendents that there's way too much way too much information on your drawings and then at the same time we've also heard from the building departments they always want more like you can't show them enough it's ridiculous and and i've even heard i've even seen people post on the entree architect community on facebook if you aren't if you aren't there already go join it's awesome it's a great resource they posted and said that they've been experimenting with sending really, really light sets to the building departments and then very heavy sets to the building departments just to see what kind of comments am I getting back? And they're always the same comments. Like, not the same exact comments, but I mean the same amount of comments. So, like, regardless of how. Regardless. Yep. Well, doesn't that lead to insight? Yes. Meaning a light set is, is worth just as much as a heavy set. For the building department. For the building department. Yeah. And and this is where... Uh, it's funny that you say that. Because I was going to make the point. Every time we critique students, we say, w- you set yourself up. We don't yep. critique you on something you've never thought about. Yeah. And what, what Alex means is, like, they will... They will state what their objectives are, and then we're like, okay, we'll write down those objectives, see if you followed through. Yep, and, and that's our critiques. We limit to five five minutes because we don't have um, we don't have twenty minutes critiques where we go off on theory and and hey, did you think about this? No, they didn't, obviously, because <laughs> they didn't design it that way. Um, that's not to say we won't point them in, in in things that they miss, but you you really set yourself up. So I was wondering if if you presented a five page set with you know a wall section this. And you really honed it. Do you set them up to only look at that? And if you do this other thing, you know, a, a million page set, do you set them up to just, you know, are you priming their brain? Are you priming their, you know, brain to, mm-hmm. I, because there's that, uh, those mirror neurons, they're mirroring what, what you give them. Exactly. I would almost want to. Yeah, exactly. I mean, then that's kind of goes for everything, the way you approach people and how they react, right? It's always a mirror. Yeah. Hmm. Went into a building department yesterday. Won't name the city. One of the worst experiences I've ever had. I uh, got to tell you a quick story. So I walked in. Why don't you? You don't want to put a target on your on your back there. <laughs> so left the left the client meeting. Presented some design options. The very first design options for their additions. And then two blocks down the road went to, went down to the building department because I we have been trying for three weeks to get a hold of the planner to understand the zoning ramifications for getting too close to the garage or not like. We cannot get a hold of anybody, right? Yep. So I walk in there, and the ladies, this is kind of the, why I'm telling the story, because of the mirror. Yep. Okay? So I walk in, sit down politely, and the lady is on, there's only one receptionist in this whole building department. Everybody else is on vacation, right? So clearly she's overwhelmed. I understand that. Yep. But she's on the phone in a personal conversation. I know it's a personal conversation to a, she, or, she ordered like a fireplace or something, and it was the wrong fireplace that she got back. And she didn't like what they were telling her. So she looks at me and like rolls her eyes and throws her hands up. So I'm like, oh God. And then she gets put on hold and then she calls me over and it's just me and her. And I'm like, I really, I couldn't, what I didn't want to do, I did not want to talk to her. Becky. (laughs) I I did not want to like talk to her while she was still on the phone because I knew that she couldn't disassociate. Disassociate. Yeah. Right. So I... And, and maybe I could have uh, buttered up, buttered this up a little bit more, but I just wanted to tell the truth. So I walk up to the counter and I go, hey, we've been trying for a couple of weeks to get a hold of somebody, just to ask a simple zoning question and have had no luck. And she goes, oh, really? Well, who'd you leave a message with? Mm-hmm. And I go, and I just, crazy attitude. And then my mirror neurons go, oh, now I got to prove myself. Okay, well, then I'm going to call my associate. So I called one. <laughs> so 
called the employee yeah. <laughs> that had been leaving messages, put him on speaker, and I'm like, who have we left messages? He names, he always says what we're doing, all this stuff. Um, and she didn't like that I proved the point that yes, we've left messages and stuff. Yeah. So it, it ended pretty poorly, and then we got a, um, and then we got a, yeah, that employee got a nasty voicemail. <laughs> said I said. And, and it said, I quote. So, so the building department called one of our employees. <laughs> awesome. Who had been leaving the messages. Yeah. I didn't appreciate your coworker. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then call back and say, you meant to say my boss. boss. <laughs> <laughs> just, just shoot that relationship down the toilet. <laughs> so <laughs> why did we get up? In this no, it's so, no, it's so funny. And you can't say this because this is a dick move too. <clears throat> Do you really want me to prove that to you right now? Or do you just want to take my word for it? What do you want? Oh, you know what I mean? Like that one. At a, I know. So, so again, I don't know. I just didn't want to walk into the conversation. I don't even know how we got off on this tangent. But well, you're set. You're priming people. There you go. Yeah, that's what it was. You're you're priming people with those drawings. So, how about this? I, I would kind of like to end, not 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 the total reaction to to Nick's um, good and bad advice. Just the first part of it in the sheets. What I really like is. One of the things I've always prided myself in, and 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 the firm and what we do is a really sexy set of drawings that that just display the information, and we know where to go to because once we get in the field, like you have proven when we did the townhome project, it's not on the sheets. Oh no no, you go to eighty seven, go to A seven, drawing four, right there, detail. Yeah, check it out, and they go. Oh okay, well there yeah. it is. Well there it is. But this isn't on the sheets. No, A fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. You're good to go. So I think it builds. It also. If you take the time to craft that set of drawings, really take the time and make it look good and make it display the information that you that you know you need to to the construction team, you're going to be so much more confident when you go out in the, into the field with those sets of drawings to be able to point to information. And do you think, I mean, this maybe isn't entirely true um, because I'm thinking about Frank Lloyd Wright versus the schoolhouses that we see and then versus what's going on right now. So we need bigger drawings sets because I think we're going with the grading there's all these weird conditions where if you look at an old schoolhouse or a, a brick building here in downtown or even this brick building around here man they don't care about there's what 10 foot difference between where that building starts and where the back ends yep they just straight yeah that the concrete goes up there's no brick ledge coming down <laughs> or anything <laughs> concrete it, yeah so I wouldn't say if you are keen on reducing, you can't reduce uh, more than your building will allow because then you have to reduce your, your building too. Yeah. But I'm really interested in just simplifying the building. Like, ah, oh, we're just doing a straight, straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happens 20 feet over there? It's the same level. <laughs> <laughs> just go with yeah, it. Yeah. What uh, about the windows facing another direction? No, no, no. Same window. <laughs> same window. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll call that building simple. Yeah. All right. So next thing. So uh, Nick didn't hasn't got too much. The the worst advice he got is also a lot a lot of the same worst advice that I get, and I get it from Al Gore. Woo woo. And what to watch on television, and the most recently, oh my, God. it was Westworld. Just the worst movie. I mean, the worst series I've ever seen in my life. Like you expect me to actually believe that we're gonna take robots? Yeah. AI. Yeah. Go out west. Yeah. Nope. Wild West robots. What? Take me to the future. This is this is why. This is why I think. Yeah, I don't know if that's really going to happen. But but this is how I'm going to prove it. 
Everyone makes the argument. Uh, what is it? It's not Moore's law. Uh, what's the doubling of computer processing speed every two years? Whatever that is. Yep, that, that law. I, so everyone says, "Oh, your phone has more power than the computers they use to send people to the moon," and and they think like that's some revelation. Like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing ever. And this I'm like, phone is more this, powerful. Yeah, and I go, ugh. Can your phone send anyone to the moon? <laughs> okay. Or do you use it for dumber and dumber things like yeah. Snapchat? Snapchat. Yep. Oh, so you got more power, but but there's an inverse correlation that that now you get it's more accessible, so you use it for dumber and dumber things. So what's the best thing? What's the best thing you can do with the most advanced intellectual uh, leap we've ever made, which is AI and robots that look like humans? You shoot and kill them and waste them, <laughs> right? It's the, again, it's the inverse. So, so let me you tell you, my, my, my wife. Is that correct? <laughs> the logic, though. Tell, give me credit on the logic. That logic well, works. That logic works. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Number one reason my uh, my my wife couldn't watch Westworld is because she was like, so this was made by men, who their ultimate fantasy is you just get to have sex with the robots. Well, and kill and then, people, and then, and then kill. The people, yeah. yeah. Did you just look at her and say, uh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah"? I did, and then and then we shut the show off. <laughs> then you're like, All right. <laughs> "So, Nick, I feel for you." Wait, wait, wait. I've also had time out. <laughs> I gotta prove a couple more points here to the audience. Could you tell us the other movies or TV shows that you thought were terrible? No, that's why I struggled to even remember Westworld. Could, uh, can you? Yeah, because every time. Like, I, I suggest something to Lance, and I'd say 75% of the time you hate it. At least 75% of the time. And almost all the time, it's, like, critically acclaimed. Everyone loves yeah. it. So um, what's the one where the guy's making drugs? The guy? Oh, Breaking Bad? Yeah, Breaking Bad. I think I said that to you, and you're like, nope, this is dumb. I think you got into it later. Yeah. But you were like, this is the most terrible thing ever. Westworld, the most terrible thing ever. Imagine a movie that, like, everyone loved, and it wasn't, like, an action, like, superhero. It was one that, like, oh, God, this is just, like, poignant and good and just a spot on. Oh, how about all- the- Here's a re- oh I got one for you. Inside <laughs> Out. Inside Out is an amazing <laughs> Terrible. Terrible film. <laughs> just why would you even want your kids to watch that yeah. sad movie? And the only thing that I think I've turned you to and this is where the audience is going to now be on your side, Adam Sandler movies. The, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, people, we have one queued up in uh, Netflix right now. He is so smart with his... If there's a guy that's made his own little, little organism and only little ecosystem, he's, got, he's like, I'm just going to do Netflix and whatever I want, and I'm going to do the same stupid formula every time. Yep, and my, and and my gonna, supporting cast is Chris Rock. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> supporting. Yeah, but it is. Like, literally, his supporting cast well, no, no, makes movies by themselves. Exactly. Yeah, yeah they're all heavy hitters. Yeah. yeah. It's hilarious. <laughs> so, okay. I, can I go on a, a, one more thing sure. got from Nicholas? Is I want to propose a new segment to you. Oh, okay. Sure. Here's a new segment. Audience members, let us know if you like it. Nicholas is so smooth. It's like he was reading a book to me. You know who you reminded me of? You reminded me of Mike Rowe. Is that what his name is? Mike Rowe? Kevin the, Rowe? The dirty, no. the guy from Dirty Jobs. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the segment is uh, Nicholas Reads Architecture. So we send him like uh, two paragraphs from a book or he finds it or who knows or people and then he just reads that. 
And then we... <laughs> I like that. Nicholas reads I, I, our yeah, yeah, yeah. Let us know what you think about that. I like yeah. that a lot. And if anyone has... I don't know. If they're reading a book and they, you highlight a paragraph or something, send it over. AKG at F9 Productions. Yeah, something that, is, something that you think everybody else should hear from a famous architect, famous designer. It could be just a, f- a famous entrepreneur. That'd be great. Like yep. something that like Tesla said or, or not Tesla. Um, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Yep. And Nicholas will read it. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he'll, right. he'll be our micro. <laughs> cool. Okay. Uh, is that all? Oh, no, no. Last thing. Last thing. We can't look over this because we're builder designers. We're designer, builder, developer people. Uh, build something once with someone else's money, and you will never, and you will, you will, you will be a better architect as a result. Did you miss that part? No, I did. I did, but I didn't know how to react to it. So we've done that, right? Well, once. Wait, did he say build or design? Design something else with other people's money no, build. or build? Build. Okay. Yep. And try it. And it's yeah. not that hard. And take the leap, and you'll be a better architect as a result. I agree 100%. 100%. When, when did we do that? Tiny houses, too. Yeah, but didn't the first one we do it with our money? Right. But we we have built with somebody else's money. Yeah. <laughs> and we and there were lessons to be learned there as well, I think. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't know about that. No? Right. I mean, I... It, the only reason I hate you know what? Nicholas, it, it, I like you so much. We are basically <laughs> best friends from now on. But does it seem like a like a cop out, or is it just a way to get into it? Is no, it no, just I, allowing people to have permission, like build something, and you can do it with some? You don't have to raise the whole I, money yourself. I would say this. How about this? Build something once, whether it's with your money or someone else's money. If it's with your money, I would argue that you're going to learn even more lessons. Right? You're going to say, "Hey." Lance, we're never going to do that stainless steel bathroom again. I swear to God. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, hey, Lance, we're never going to build a stupid staircase out of those dumb, stupid uh, light frame steel. I think again. there's there's lessons in, in both. And then where I'm getting <clears throat> with someone else's money is if you're building it, you can see where they're cutting corners or not cutting corners or where you have to come up with an innovative solution because they aren't paying you anymore. And where maybe if it's yours, you just put in more of your time or put in a little bit more money mm. and you realize it with, with someone else's like, this is all you're getting. You better get it done. And it like good point. It's probably a perspective. Good point. Sh- shift right yeah. there. So yeah, yeah. There we go. Same page, Nick. Same page. Uh oh, awesome. Okay, next little thing here. There's a article that's been going viral around the internet. And I love, I love that we thought that this was gonna be a short one. Yeah, I was actually thinking of uh yeah exactly. How are we gonna do an hour every week? No, eh, pretty blah, 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 blah. So. I ha- there's an article that's been going around uh, viral over the past week, over the past couple days, sorry, that I'm going to read to Alex and I want him to react to it because it has to do with the building industry and just overall society and where we're at. Okay? And I want all the listeners to react to and see if they know where this is going right away because it should be obvious to most builders, architects. So <clears throat> here's, the, uh, here's the headline. The headline is Home Depot. This is on usatoday.com. They're the one that published it, I think, originally. Home Depot, Menards face lawsuits over lumber size description. Two home improvement stores are accused of deceiving the buyers of four by four boards. The big brother to the ubiquitous two by four. The alleged alleged deception. Menards and Home Depot market and sell the hefty lumber as four by fours without specifying that the boards are actually, actually measure three and a half by three and a half inches. Every architect listening right now is rolling their rolling their eyes. Every builder is rolling their eyes. <clears throat> the laws that was not in the article. The and and, and <laughs> uh, 
the, if you're not an architect or builder, the reason why is that there's nominal and then there's dimensional. So nominal is what you call it. Dimensional. Everyone knows that it's cut a half inch short. short. Like, I don't even know when I knew this. When I was 15, maybe. Um, it, I it's, bet sooner. I, I remember asking my dad a long grab grandpa some man in my life like a long yeah. time ago like because you're not gonna say oh can i get a one and a half yeah. by t- <laughs> by three and a half inch board <laughs> please <laughs> sir the lawsuits against the retailers would be class actions filed within filed within five days of each other in federal court for the northern district of illinois oh good lord illinois uh, attorneys from the same chicago law firm represent the plaintiffs in both cases each suit seeks more than five million i think this is a money grab Defendant, uh, you think or yeah. no? I mean, that's all it is, and that's right? why. So we actually have some good relationships with some lawyers, but this is why I hate them is because there's these bad apples. That why would you even take that case if you knew anything about anything? Why would you even take Just that case? Have some moral fiber, people. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Defendant has received significant profits from its false marketing and sale of its dimensional lumber products. The the action against Menards contends tangent. Yep. So a lot of people have complaints about lawyers because they think, and and by lawyers, I'm lumping in politicians because everyone knows politicians will say whatever and never do well, it. Well, they're it, generally lawyers. Yeah, and it doesn't matter which side. You know, if you're if you're heavy on one side, you you dislike the other side. But if you had perspective, you'd realize that they're both just lying to you, right? Do you think in school that they they don't specifically teach that out of them, but they teach them out of that out of a moral backbone? Because of default, because everything is case law and precedent. So all of a sudden your judgment, your thinking process doesn't go like what's right or what's wrong. It's what's legally right, what's legally been justified and what's wrong. And if you do that for two to four years, all of a sudden, once you get in, you switch into that mode, your analysis, your filter is completely different than the rest of society. I think so 100%. And you're sort of uh, a psychopath at that point. it's, It's like I would equate it. That going to law school is like choosing to join Slytherin in Harry Potter. I'm just saying Welcome that. to Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> Where like technically you're not evil and you can learn some good things, but it's kinda like you're choosing, you know, to be an Empire Man, Star Trek reference, which Star Wars reference, which I kinda relate to because yep. I mean yep. they systematically like unify the universe, right? I mean, what are you <laughs> not in the best way. Okay. <clears throat> the article continues. Defendants' representations as to the dimensions of these products were false and misleading, the suit says. The suit against Home Depot alleges. The retailers say the allegations are bogus. It is common knowledge and long-standing industry practice, they say, that names such as 2x4 or 4x4 do not describe the width and thickness of those pieces of lumber. Rather, the retailers say those are nominal designations accepted in government-approved industry standards, which also specify actual dimensions, 1.5 by 3.5 inches for 2x4, for example, and 3.5 inches by 3.5 inches for a 4x4. Anybody who's in the trades or construction knows that, said Tim Stitch, a carpentry instructor at the Milwaukee Area Technical College. True enough, said... Yaventi Eugene Turin of McGuire Law, the firm that represents the plaintiffs in both cases. However, Turin and his clients... Oh, pop-ups, what are you doing? Uh, Turin said his clients don't argue that the retailer's 4x4s, and in Menard's case, 1x6 board as well, are not the correct size under the standards published by the U.S. Department of Commerce. The product labels, however, should disclose that... Those are nominal designations and not actual sizes, Turin said. With some of Menard's product lumber 
products, sorry, with some of Menard's lumber products, both the nominal and actual size are shown. A document <coughs> turn filed with the case against Menard's says, but the lumber in question is labeled only with nominal size, four by four by 10 foot, for example. Sorry, four inches by four inches by 10, for example. That consists of numbers arranged in a way to represent the dimensions of the products, the document says. That leaves the average consumer, that was in quotes, to conclude that the pieces measure four by four inches. Some Menards customers aren't buying it. They have measured four by four. They haven't measured four inches by four inches since the 50s, says Scott Sunila after loading purchases into his pickup. My God, that's crazy. The 60-year-old bulldozer operator said of the lawsuits, let me on the jury. They ain't winning, and they're going to pay me extra for my time. Oh, man. Think about no, dealing with that guy. <laughs> but, an, an un, <laughs> but, an, but an unscientific study of 18 Menard shoppers found that about a third were unaware that 4x4 four four doesn't represent the actual dimensions of that piece of lumber. Oh, I just blame. I don't know what to blame for this. But I want, like, in society, what do I blame for this? And I'll, let me, I'm, I'm almost done. <clears throat> Stitch, the carpentry teacher, also said the average homeowner might not know about such distinctions between lumber names and dimensions. And Turin said comments on the Home Depot website show that there are actual customers being confused. Huh. I wish they would have put a link to that because that would have been hilarious to read. Plaintiffs in the lawsuits who brought 4x4s got about 23% lumber that less lumber than advertised and represented. Both the retailers and complaints allege. They say the practices of Menards and Home Depots cause substantial injury to customers. This does not violate the non-aggression principle. As Both how, retailers dispute how, that. How, how, in, yeah, how, how does it cause the yeah, injury? Yeah, how does that readily cause injury? Ugh. Plaintiffs received exactly what they were supposed to receive, lumber company. Lumber that complies with applicable standards, a court document filed by Menards contends. A Menard spokesperson declined to speak about the case. A Home Depot s spokesperson said the only, only that the firm disagrees with the claims. As Turin described it, all three men in lawsuits wanted the lumber for home improvement projects, got home and measured the pieces, felt they mended. I'm not going to go there. Got <laughs> felt they had what? been deceived. This is a half inch short. <laughs> and There's then, no way I can support then, my deck with this. Yeah, so, so all three men in the lawsuits wanted the lumber for home improvement projects, got home and measured the pieces, felt they had been deceived, and then turned to the law firm. Asked whether it was a coincidence that three different men found the same sort of issue with the lumber, first at Menards, then at Home Depot, and then all decided to go to, to McGuire Law. Turin said he couldn't comment. Hmm. Last sentence here. Uh, that was a setup. Yep. That was a setup. It's kind of... Wait, I need to pause there yeah. because a, a, a normal guy or, or woman, it doesn't matter your sex. Let's say you did find that and you're like, I wanted four by fours. And let's say you didn't know that it was three and a half by three and a half. So you go back and you say, hey, I wanted four by fours. You only gave me this. Then they would say, hey, you know, hey, we'll, we'll return them. But just let you know, four by fours are nominal. They'd be like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Then they walk away. Exactly. It was a setup. Come it's on, you kind of, It's kind of attorney-client privilege in terms of how the clients were retained and the circumstances oh, that's, that's of convenient. our retainer of them, he said. They did freely come to us. Bull crap. They did not. No. So uh, well, They freely came when you told your buddies to do this, and you didn't pay them, and you said, hey, if we get money out of this, this will be great, and you guys will be the main complaint. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, can someone please? We don't have lawyers listening to this, or maybe we do. <laughs> well, you need a cause. I hope these companies sue that lawyer firm for as as, as much as they absolutely. Can get. And then and then cite um, that they're misleading the general public by making this case because remove they, them from the bar. Just it's ridiculous. It's one hundred percent ridiculous. Yep. What I what I'm wondering is like is. Uh, who does? Oh, where was I going to go with this? Now I lost my train of thought. I got I got a bunch of trains. Go ahead. I got trains what lined got? up on trains. The, the guy who said the quote, "I ain't buying it." Did it say his age or that he was retired? Uh, did I close that out? Let's see. Who is the guy? The guy said, "I ain't buying it." He was sixty. They said he was okay, 60. sixty. So here's another thing. Uh, there there are problems with every generation, but one thing that's hit on the younger generation is this entitlement and this know-it-all. Man, that applies to all. That guy, I ain't buying it. This, I know this. Man, you seem like a child. You seem like a child. So before you broadly generalize, maybe, maybe take that out and know that they're there all the time. You, you just happen to be older now, so it's like you get rank in the army. So you can say, "Look at them." You can, you know, point at someone without seeing the stick in in, in your own eye. So I don't know. Let's let's maybe knock that off. Uh, <laughs> number two, I thought I thought. I, obviously I knew this, but I thought when they did a two by four, they'd label underneath the sizes, but then they addressed that. It wasn't labeled underneath where other ones were. So then they found, somehow they found the two examples that weren't <coughs> labeled. All three of them found the examples that weren't. And then they found that it was the same through these three things when really, man, I bet you they had a spreadsheet. Okay. This one is labeled here. This one's labeled here. Here's the two that aren't labeled and all three will sue all three of them. So it, it, it's just a setup. What I was going to ask is, are there other examples where there's a nominal versus a performance of what actually is? And I have two examples Ooh. in different industries. Okay. One is uh, computer storage. When they say you get a terabyte of storage, when you open it up, you only have eight, 800. Now you're going to give all kinds of people ideas for lawsuits. Here you go, lawyers. Here's uh, <laughs> some chum in the water. Chum some in the water. You know, Come on. Uh, that, that's true. It's true. Yep. So you don't get a ter- they say you have a ter- terabyte storage. I bet you if you went into it, Best Buy, how it's much like point nine something. It's always never right there. Yeah. Yeah. Because they got other systems. But if you ask them what you have on there, they mm-hmm. will say a terabyte. Um, the other one is upload download speeds for the internet. Even you know gigabit whatever. It's always reduced and it's reduced for multiple reasons. I'm not saying that that's. I I kind of get where that's maybe they should bring that up, um, but. I don't know if you have any other examples, but no, I feel those like are, that's those, you- are, those are great examples. The only yeah. the only thing I was gonna say is, <clears throat> I really hope social media can somehow out these three tools that are going out that are going after this company, and they just let them have it. They yeah. and the trolls just come out like 4chan. If you're listening, make it happen. Trolls, you have a purpose, and uh, this is this is it. This, this is your calling. This is your world 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 two scenario right yes, here. Yes, exactly. All right. Okay. So <laughs> I had to read that to you. I had to, uh, yeah. had to bring that up. You had uh, to make me mad on a Friday. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to make you happy now because as we all know, it's code question time and Alex Gore is the king of code questions. Have not got one wrong yet. <laughs> hundred for hundred. Just, just on fire. This the guy. streak continues. <laughs> okay. Why don't you throw a softball up? Huh? Um, uh, not try a fastball. Let's see if you can get by me. Okay. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Yep. So. Uh, we have one last question from Chapter 15 of the IBC, uh, and it is in roof assemblies and rooftop structures, okay? So, 
code 1511.3, roof replacement. <clears throat> and this is sort of me um, kind of making up the question and interpreting the code in my own way, okay? So know that it's not a one-to-one. -one. Roof replacement shall include the removal of all existing layers of roof coverings down to the roof deck with the exception of the following layers, okay? So there's an exception of something you don't have to remove, okay? When you're replacing a roof. When you're replacing a roof. Okay, and... and by the way, this is low slope roof, okay? So just not a steep pitch, low slope, quarter inch to a foot, eighth inch, that's the thing, okay? So what can you not remove? Like what, what is it where there's an exception that you, something you don't have to remove if you don't want to. You could save a little money, a little bit of labor. A, EPDM that is mechanically fastened to the roof deck. B, hot asphalt that has been adhered to the roof deck. C, cover board that has been adhered to the roof deck or D, ice barrier membrane that is adhered to the roof deck. So is this meaning when, when you say replace, <clears throat> it, all of those options, if you kept them, you're not replacing them. But it, I quickly went in my head, oh, you'd put it over it. Yes. You'd put it over it. Yep. Um, so you I, can leave one of these and just re-roof over the top of it. What, what's B again? <clears throat> so I'll, let me read them again, the options. A, EPDM that is mechanically fastened to the roof deck. B, hot asphalt that has been adhered to the roof deck. C, cover board that has been adhered to the roof deck. D, ice barrier membrane that is adhered to the roof deck. I would say B. Eh. The streak continues. Yeah. Ice barrier membrane that has been that, adhered to the roof deck. That, that one, that one. Is that a close second for you? No, that was a close first. That was, I, I thought that I should have said D and B uh, because that one seemed obvious to me. Yeah. Because it's, it just did. Um, but it, just the adhered covered board, I feel like you could get and ripped up, but that hot apply, like, I'm like, how are you going to get that up? I don't know. I made uh, that, that up. Rude. So just so everybody knows, I made up um, the EPDM, the hot asphalt and the cover board. The ice barrier is the only exception. Like they don't state in the code any of those that you, you, oh. you know what I mean? Like I made up those scenarios of ABC. There's the exception clearly just reads like, oh, ice, 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 ice barrier is the only thing you could ever leave. Gotcha. Everything else you got to gotcha. get rid of. You got to get rid of. Okay. Congratulations again, Al. Yeah. Chapter 16, structural design. We're in a new chapter. Al is, uh, you're scheduled to start taking tests. Two last two tests have structures in them, right? Yep. So I just started videos one and two of Thaddeus. Oh, who is awesome, by the way, yeah. Okay, <clears throat> chapter 16, structural design, code 1609.4.2, surface roughness categories. If this is an ARE question that I made up, if there's, there's no better example than this, okay? Okay. Surface roughness categories, because who gives a crap about that? The th there are three categories of ground surface roughness, B, C, and D. Which of the following is assigned to category D? Okay, so there's okay. three ground surface roughness. They said A. Nah, we're not even. Nope, don't even need an A. No, no. It's <laughs> like uh, when you have movable doors or windows, you have X, O, you know. And, X. And X means moves and O means stay, where O could be operational. Yep. Next could be like. Fixed. Hey. No, no, fixed. Fixed. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't. Yeah. Like, fixed. literally, X, X. stop. Yep. Literally, nope, the, can't in the move army, it. when someone's backing up, you don't <laughs> put up a hand like this. You you make an X. Like, let's not move because it's an X. Yeah. Not no. possible. Nope. No. Okay. It's the opposite. So just know if you're new to architecture, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> no, it, no, it, even it, if you're a homeowner and you're looking at 
you're looking at windows and doors. Yep. Right? X means operable. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked the windows people, like, because I wanted to know, was there a Latin term? Like, I don't know. Exomorphosis means move. Nope. Nope. Seems like a Slytherin move. Honestly, who made that up? Some lawyer. Who made that up? That's another lawsuit right there. There you go. That's another one. Yeah, now that one, I would be worth going down the road. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to call that firm up. We're going to contact some lawyers <laughs> right now. Okay. You know what? We should. This is going to give our game away, but that's what? fine. We should call them up. Yep. Or have a one-on-one meeting where you can record it as long as there's no one else present. Uh-huh. And then have them detail. Okay. So this is, and have them tell you how to make this work. Uh-huh. Say okay, come, you know, go to all these places. Have them get the drawings, and then then come to us, and then just release that right on the internet. Nice. Say there oh, you go. I wonder. I wonder if they did this with the other lawsuit. Maybe. Maybe. And then they say erroneous. That is a separate silo, and you can't bring in evidence from another <laughs> trial to this <laughs> trial. Can't be heard. New jury. New jury. Hung jury. Yeah. I'm like mistrial. Oh, did you lawyers also write the rules to your own game? Weird. <laughs> Slytherin. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Which of these is assigned to category D? Yeah. Number one, urban and suburban areas, wooded or other terrain with numer- numeral- numerous uh, closely spaced obstructions having the size of a single family dwellings or larger. I stopped listening to this question. Oh. Four words into that sentence. Okay. I just got to let you know. Okay. <laughs> Three, flat and ob- unobstructed areas and water services. Sorry. Two, Two, flat and unobstructed areas and water surfaces, or three, open terrain with scattered obstructions having heights of generally less than three thirty feet. You might need to read that. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I, repeat it. I gotta look at that. What so, is so yeah, which of these categories okay. of roughness? But but you have to tell us because they might be the exact opposite of what you say. What is this smooth? B or D? Which is B rough, C medium, D smooth, or is B smooth? Like which op, which which way do they go? Yeah, I feel like this is how it's this is how it's an ARE question. Oh, because they don't tell you. Uh, it the code explicitly states what the hell is what, but this is me being an ARE guy to you. Okay, but <laughs> in okay, what kind of a hint do you want? We'll give you one hint because you need it. I don't think I just need it. I think I maybe not. Okay, which one is which one is which one is the, the so smoothest? Which, which way does the roughness category go? Like the roughness goes to to D. So the D is the roughest. Or sorry, the roughest is B, and B. then D is the the not roughest. Okay, so then the, let me. I'm gonna read the question so people understand it. Okay, good. <laughs> so D is smooth. D is the smoothest one. Yep. C is medium. B is rough. Yep. Okay, which of these are assigned to? D. Yeah. Smooth. Yep. Urban and suburban areas. So wooden areas. So this is concrete. Yep. Wooded areas or terrains with numerous closed space obstructions having the size of a single family dwelling or larger. That's what they word it. That's what they say. Oh, yeah. It's, it's really, 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 really. Uh, it's yeah. almost like a lawyer wrote it. That's one. So urban or suburban areas. Okay. Two. Flat, unobstructed areas, and watery services. I feel like that should, you should be rougher because you don't want to slip and have smooth concrete, but. 
I'm, I'm just talking to myself here. Three, open terrain with scattered obstructions having heights generally less of 30 feet. Okay, which one of those is assigned to D? I don't even know what that means. Open terrain. So meaning like you're out in a field, but then things having heights. Obstructions having heights. What are obstructions? Trees? This Signs? is such an ARE question. Billboards? <laughs> Light poles? I what should, are we to, talking about here? I need to contact here? NCARB right now and start writing these questions for them getting paid. Yeah, exactly. Or I th- th- <laughs> I haven't even gotten to this, this category of study, so it's foreign. Roughness. Two. Two, 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 two. Two is correct. Woo, that's three continues. Hawk mode. Fantastic. That was a tough one. Boy, that was a toughie. Okay, last one. Chapter 18, Soils and Foundations. We're just skipping over 17 because who cares? Um, There's actually nothing really interesting in that chapter, I didn't think. Uh, Code number 1804.4, site grading. This This one's pretty, this one's valuable, I think. Swales used for the purpose of diverting water away from the foundation shall be sloped at a minimum of what percent where located within 10 feet of the building foundation? A, 1%. B, 2%. C, 3%. D, 5%. I'm going to say D. Incorrect. B. B, 2%? 2%. Yeah. That is right. 2% for swales. Yeah. That was actually on your PPP, which you already passed. So, yeah. All right. And 2%... uh, that's generally what we draw on our drawings, even though from now on, we're not supposed to do grading plans. Yep. According to the state of Colorado, law, blah, blah, blah. Some blah, lawyer. Blah. Again, a lawyer. Blah. <laughs> Is that what we should title this episode? Love the lawyers. <laughs> Love them. All of you are my best friends. <laughs> Slytherin is what we should call it. Lawyers and Slytherin. Yeah. yeah. Slytherin through the law. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week, everybody. Please, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining in. We've gotten emails and comments. I've even gotten one that I tried to show you yesterday, but you're so busy. Um, we appreciate uh, all the support that you're giving us. Please, if you feel that it's of any value, uh, write a review on iTunes. iTunes. Um, send us an email. Like us on Facebook. Um, follow us on the Twitter, Instagram. Yes, no, no Instagram. We are not on Instagram. But uh, if you follow me, you could go to you could you could look up Colorado Psycho, yep. and that's that's my personal account, which I use for professional purposes too, and I promote the podcast on there. Personal favor, uh, again, if you like it, if if there's any podcast that hits you that you have a friend that you think is relevant, I give podcast recommendations like it's my last name. Just just dish them out like butter. So. Please share at least with one friend um, if you found this interesting or any of the others and said, hey, I think you'd like this. It's pertinent to what you're doing. We'd greatly appreciate it. Yeah. So thanks a lot. All right. See you next week.